0: August 30th. August 30th, Oswald today speaks on this line. Am I convinced by Christ? You know, I read that title and went convinced. So, I didn't know that he needed to convince me. You know, that's kind of a, a, a selfish worldly perspective, isn't it? Yes. I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Jesus, but I need him to convince me. And what I had to consider in that process of having him convince me was, frankly, it's my perspective and my position that I'm taking. And that's like I said this morning, am I fully persuaded? See, I don't think he has to convince me of anything. I wouldn't be sitting in a church. Fully persuading me to believe everything that is said about it. That might come through a time, trusting him more, trusting him more, trusting him more, and seeing how he is going to lay this out in his particular life. So as we look at this today, am I convinced by Christ? Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not. Further, rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. Don't rejoice in good service. Don't rejoice in what, you know, you're getting your way. And I, and I think that's a, a big part of this. Too many times we go through life, something happens, we give God credit. We try to glorify God on something that, frankly, really wasn't about him. It's something you did or something somebody else did for you. And I really want to, not, not that God didn't ordain every second, but Where in that midst of that did you have to trust him? I give glory to God. I thank you, Lord, for this, and thank you, Lord, for that, and absolutely know that he's ordering the steps of my life. But where have I actually put that to task? Where I stopped, decided to do nothing except trust God. And see where the cards fall. See, what does that look like? And I will tell you from personal experience, you can trust God, you can pray to God, and, you can, and, and hope and believe that he's going to make a change in something that's going to you know, keep you out of trouble, or keep you out of a situation. And the reality is, by trusting God, he didn't keep you out of anything. He kept you in it. And so did I really want him to keep me out of it? Or did I just want to make assurance that he was going to be with me no matter what it was? And as I've asked him to be with me and no matter what it was, I've learned lots of things. This new revelation that he's brought to me and I've been teaching for the last year and a half. I would not have gotten that chance except I was alone with him. And I and he got to expound to me. So I I have to I have to remind myself that those are moments that need to be cherished where he's pulled me out and kept me separate. And in the process of keeping separate, he began to expound greater things from him and the father that I might not have gotten if I were here because I was so busy all the time. I wasn't stopped long enough to hear and listen. Jesus Christ says in effect, don't rejoice in successful service, but rejoice because you're rightly related to God. Now, could there be a service that comes out of your life because you're rightly related to God? Yes. 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 But how many times do we wait till we're rightly related with God on the service or how many times do we go out and start serving and we didn't bother to wait to find out if it was because we were rightly related because it was what he wanted us to do. We just decided we'd go to work for him and do something for the kingdom that was never on his top 10 list of things he wanted to ordain or see happen. The snare in a Christian work is to rejoice in successful service, to rejoice in the fact that God has used us. You never can measure what God will do through you if you're rightly related with Christ. If I'm rightly related with Christ, he uses me, and most of the time, I don't even know how I got used. People come up and talk to me and say things to me, and you know, I don't, I didn't, I didn't kindle a conversation, I didn't kindle a relationship, I didn't do anything, and had people come talk to me about how um, just having met me or watched me or seen me moved them in their life. And, and what do you do other than thank you, Jesus? Because Obviously, I wasn't on that track. I wasn't the track I even knew anything about, right? And sometimes, you know, I kind of like it. It's kind of funny. I told you about what they did with Eric, it, did I not? I walked in the store and a lady looked at me and she goes, um, she looks at her, she goes, is this your older brother? <laughs> and I laughed my tail off. And I said to him, you know, now he means you're tore up or I'm pretty damn good looking for an old man, you know? And, and he goes, I'm going to take the fact that you're really good looking, right? Just clowning around. Well, she, he went back the next day. Guess what? Where's your dad? And he goes, Oh, he's, he's doing this, that, and the other. She goes, We're, we're having a little party in you know, a Super Bowl. Sunday. It's his birthday, so we're going to have a little party. Yeah, hold it. 60. no way he's 62 years old, right? And so you move by touching someone's life. You're friendly, you're clowning. And they don't forget. And I'm like, I, I, I probably would recognize her if I saw her again. But I have no idea what her name is. I have no idea that of, of, a, of a conversation that was had other than something she popped up. And here's the funny thing I got in her line because it looked like it was one of the shortest lines. Right? Yes. Go to the grocery store. What do you do? Hit in the shortest line if you can. And the line over here went by faster. Lady says, hey, you can just come on over here. And I said I would, but I got everything unloaded on the cart already on, a, on the belt. I'll, I'll just stay here. And then this conversation started with her. So you look at that and go, all right, Lord, you know, obviously, you ordained this. You know, and, and it comes out that, hey, I'm a yes, I'm a pastor and I take care of a ministry home and these are things. And people get to find out about who we are. You know what the craziest thing is, right? They never forget. They, they're yelling at you from the other side of the grocery store when you walk in. And you're going, who is that? it's not because there's anybody that I got to know. But I'll recognize it. You know what I'm saying? But I don't do this to get recognized. I don't do this to recognize people. I do what I do because who I am. I represent my God everywhere I go. And not one of the holder now, praying for this. And that's not, you all know me, I'm a bulldozer. I plow a strip through and And I got a bunch of people sowing seed behind it. and go, what are you guys doing? Well, we're plowing and sowing seeds, right? That's really it. It's about the extent of it. They don't really get to know much else than that. Other than us, as we talk about the pastoral thing, the ministry home. So I like the fact that my service is based on my relationship to God, not on trying to do something for God. You never can measure what God will do through you if you're rightly related to Christ. Keep your relationship right with Him. Told this to the boys on Monday night. Our job is obedience unto righteousness. Obeying what He says so that we can be right with Him because it's righteousness that's going to save us. There's nothing else saves us other than being right with Him. His blood did all of the work and we have to be right with Him to be under that blood. Right? So, you know, we we we, we might, might want to make it about obedience, right? Well, then it's about sometimes. Then it's about trying to do every detail and work and this that, and the other. It's not about that. It's about being obedient, even in the littlest things in life, so that you are in right standing with Him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You being right with Him, and I'll add all things to you. He says. So righteousness is the key. And so as we begin to understand who He is and what it's about. We have to be, for example, like I said a moment ago, fully persuaded. What am I fully persuaded of? That I'm working on my righteousness. Do I have to be pers- fully persuaded that he is who he is? No. I've got to be fully persuaded not only that he is who he is, but I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do because he is who he is. Right? Yeah. And not just flying by my seat in my pants and throwing something up the air and yelling Jesus really loud. i got to really be right with him. And in the process of being right with him, the benefits and the the grace pour out, the mercy pours out. I'm in that place where he he has no problem giving to me the things that are necessary for me to be this man of God he's called me to be. He's pouring. So keep your relationship right with him. And whatever circumstances you are in, And whoever you meet day by day, he is pouring rivers of living waters through you. And it is of his mercy that he does not let you know about it. Why is it merciful for him not to let us know? So we don't take credit for it. So we don't start puffing ourselves up. Or, you know, our brother, that's, that's what he did while I was gone. He got himself puffed up and trying to get to know everybody and make everything about him, him, him. And it didn't take but a minute. He, he lost his walk with the Lord and became all about selfishness and self-righteousness and wrecked his entire life. And he's having a heck of a time coming back. But he took something walking with me, seeing how I'm with people, and then he decided, I'm going to do it too. But he, he only did his version of it. Because I don't have a a place to go out there and get to know all these people and know all their, that's just not what I do. I get to know people, but I don't get to know anything about the people unless they decide they want to talk to me about things. Then I'm more than willing to listen, but typically I don't get to know nothing about them. We're on a first name basis at best, and 90% of those, I don't even know their first names. You know, I, I love the stores today. Most of the stores make them more name tags. Thank you, Jesus. Right, I, I, I wouldn't remember their name to save my life. But I have an absolute relationship with them. Absolute. Not something i got to try to do. If I'm out in the parking lot and they're walking the other way, we're hollering at each other and waving at each other. from the. I can't remember their name to save my life. But is their name relevant? God knows it. If he wants me to know, guess what to do? Tell me. In the meantime, he wants me to be an inspiration and an encourager. So I'm an inspiration and an encourager. I want their life to have been better, have known me for those few minutes, than to worry about what my name is. That's not relevant to their righteousness. It's not relevant to anything other than to get them to know who we are and why we are and maybe encourage them to want to be like that in their life too. You know, people, most people today aren't people people. They're not out there, you know, no, able to walk out and have a conversation, know all these people's names, and keep them all straight. That's just not who people are. So when you, when you realize that all I'm gonna do is what God wants me to do, it makes it simpler for them too. So we're trying to help them become persuaded this is a way they ought to live. Amen. To be right with God. He's pouring living rivers of living waters to you and. It is of his mercy that he does not let us know about it. When once you're rightly related to God by salvation and by sanctification, which we just talked about, right? Yeah. Remember that wherever you are, you are put there by God. I am where I'm at because God put me here. And so what do I do when I'm there? Whatever God needs to be done in that moment. And by the reaction of your life on the circumstances around you, my reaction on whatever the circumstances are around my life, what are they? Friendly and encouraging. It isn't about writing people's names down and doing stuff like that. I always say, Will you pray for that? Absolutely. What's their first name? They tell me their first name. Do I wait till later to go, by the way? I got to pray for Sam tonight. No, I pray for him right then. You know what? Real good chance I'm not going to remember Sam later tonight. Not at the breakneck speed of our lives, right? So I pray for Sam now. And I don't circle up in a circle of prayer in the middle of the parking lot or the middle of the store. I said, Sam, okay, I'm going to pray for Sam. Guess what? It's already done. I don't got to go put some low prayer out there. Sam, uh, these people are asking. I'm coming into agreement with them on praying for this guy, this person named Sam. The next time I see him, how is your friend doing? By the way, I don't mean to be rude. What was your name again? You know what I'm saying? I'm not embarrassed to ask those questions. But more importantly, I don't forget what I've done. But I don't need to know all the specifics to try to fill my head with a bunch of information. that's not relevant. You're going to tell me that Jesus walked through every single person's name? <laughs> not likely, right? <laughs> and 5,000 men out here and their women and children. Hey, come call them all by name. I don't think so. But I'll bet you when he prayed, i bet you when he prayed for the, the loaves and the fishes, they split them up. It wasn't by, this is Steve's portions and Sarah's portions and, and, and you know, Mickey Mouse's portions. It's not none of that, right? It was, I'm praying for these people so they can get fed. They're here honoring me. Father, let's honor them back. Plain and simple. So this walk becomes simpler at that. As long as we keep in the light, as God is in the light, we can help an awful lot of people. Because what are most people in? Darkness. 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 And like he's told Paul in in Acts 26, I came here for you to translate people from the dark, bring people from the darkness into the light. Well, that's my job, bring darkness into the light. And, and, and make sure that I'm helping them and seeing their situations and working out, but more importantly, shining light into whatever it is right there. Well, I'm sorry, does it have to be my light? I don't have a light. Maybe I've got a little spotlights That's not what he's talking about. It has to be the light of Christ flowing through me, right? Or you, is that better? The tendency today is to put the emphasis on service. Yes. I'm talking about what we did, look what I did, I did, I did, I did. Beware of the people. Who make usefulness their ground of appeal? The reason that they're they're drawn to this is because they get to be used by God. So they walk around patting themselves on the back, right? If you make usefulness the rat the test, then Christ was the greatest failure that ever lived because he did not worry about being useful, did he? No. no. The low star of the saint. The main thing that is the main thing is like it is for Christ, was God himself. I need to know God himself. I need to be fully persuaded and assured God is who God says he is. So that when I'm out there and I'm repping, you know, this life I have, and I'm repping God as God himself, light so shine in me as it then can shine on them, but it's God's light that is shining shined in me to help shine on them. And that low star is not estimated by usefulness. It is the work that God does through us that counts. Not what we do for him. You know, the thing that persuades me today is not that God is who God is. It persuades me that I am who I'm supposed to be because God uses me. Not because I want to be used in any particular situation, but God sends me situations every day where I get to be used by him. And usually it's by telling a truth that somebody didn't want to hear. Right? Mm-hmm. Pointing out something that they, they would rather not have had, you know, the need to look at. Because they really, they, I want to be better, but I don't want to look at what's wrong. <laughs> yeah, That's one of those things. That uh, seems to be very rampant out there today. I want to be better, but I, I, I'm looking for a magic wand, right? Poof, so I'm better not not have to actually face what's actually wrong. It is a work that God does through his accounts, not what we do for him. All that the Lord heeds in a man's life is the relationship of worth to his father. Jesus is bringing many, many sons to glory. He's bringing us to glory by what? How, having us learn how to live unto the Lord. And as we begin to live unto the Lord, um, lots of really cool things get to happen in our life because of that. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter four, I want to start with verse 13. I want to talk about a promise from God to Abraham again. We've talked about this recently, several times. I talked to you about how, you know, that he was given the promise and the promise was through a seed death, not seeds. And in that seed, he said, would come forth the many nations, and ultimately the Messiah. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. He had to have faith to be right with God in a situation that required extreme faith. Not only faith That when God said, out of you, I'm going to bring, you're going to be the father of many nations and through one of your sons. Not only was it through the son, even that was was after the screw up with with Hagar and, and Ishmael. It's through Christ, you know, coming Christ, the spirit of Christ coming in and going through Sarah and Isaac. And he goes, and this is where the seed's going to come from, the promise. And he was right with him, not for believing that only he did a lot of dumb things with all of that, did he not? But it was from the fact that he, got, he actually finally learned the lesson that if God said it, God must have meant it. And if God said it, must have meant it, then that's cool enough for me. You want me to sacrifice my son? Okay. No argument, no negotiation, no hindsight 2020. By the way, um, yeah, I appreciate, you know, you took it in and saw King Absalom, or I think it was Absalom, went out there and had brought, brought your, your wife in her and said, hey, this is my sister. Yeah, yeah, you kind of told the half-truth, she is your sister, but, you know, the reality is she's your wife. And so when I went and told him, oh yeah, that's his sister, all right, but it's also his wife, they all went, what the heck are you trying to do to us? Now, how cool would it have been if you just walked in and trusted me and did what I told you to do? But he didn't learn the lesson right away. He didn't do it once. He did it twice. He was supposed to head off to the hills and take nobody with him. Who did he take? A lot. So he had a lot of uh, boo-boos that was in his life. A lot of things he had to go through because of the things he followed. You, you remember that he you only know, took Lot. You remember that when they came in there and, and he, the, the kings got together and, st- and stole all their families away, he then had to go protect, take, his, take Abraham and take his people, go in there and fight to get Lot's family back. Mm-hmm. Well, if he had never taken Lot in the first place, would he ever have to do that? No. Well, Lot had a wife. Would lot, Lot's wife have ever turned to salt if he had never taken her? No. So there's a lot of things could have been pre- prevented if he would had just followed God. But there are consequences to these things, just like there are to us. We call it life, right? Well, that's just what it is. Well, it is. what it is because we didn't do what we ought to do in the first place. So today I'm trying to learn as best I can not to leave any of those, it is what it is, things behind. I just want to listen. I want to do what he says when he says to do it. I hope that you know that I've eliminated some of that nonsense in my life. But now, it's counted to him, to the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law, be heirs, faith is then void, and the promise is made of no effect, because the law works wrath. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. So. Without the law, there's no transgression. With the law now, there's condemnation and there's wrath to say, I'm gonna gonna spank you because you didn't listen, right? Doesn't leave a whole lot of room in there for, you know, why are we doing this? Well, because of the grace of God that came in in addition to that, that said, hey, I'm gonna make a way with the risen way. I'm gonna save you from this and you're not going to have to have my wrath. I'm gonna save you through this, save you from that wrath. And so we had a chance to then to to learn and not have to always be walking in genuine, you know, fear of wrath, right? But we were also taught what it meant to be fear or reverence of God, and we neglected to do that too. So we didn't run away from, you know, oh man, I got this wrath coming on me because I'm not paying attention. And so that was kind of kindling people to pay more attention because they really didn't want the wrath of God, right? But the minute he took the wrath of God off and said, okay, I'm not going to have to make you worry about that anymore. I'm going to give you grace so you don't have to worry about the wrath of God. And what they do? Started sinning again. Because all of a sudden now in their mind there was no consequence to it. Well, there is, right? Yes. Yeah. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure to all of the seed. Not only that which is of the law, but that which is also of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations before him who he believed, even God, who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were. He said, I thing, oh, there's not. Yes, it is. It is now. And all of a sudden, there was grace at work in their lives. Who against hope believed in hope? They might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. God said, you'll become a father of many nations. So shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. Well, you notice that he was persuaded. So what had to happen? God had to persuade him. Well, how many times has he had to get you straightened out? trying to try to get you on the right path. Well, does that not persuade you that he's a God of love? Because he didn't kill you. He didn't beat you up. He let you maybe have a little taste of consequences, but, but he pulled you out of the mess and straightened you out. But my question is, did you go back and return as a dog with the vomit? Or did you stay out of the mess? Are we going to be partakers of the grace and then be honorable with that grace? That's the question, right? But he can't be fully persuaded because God had to keep showing him over and over and over again. That was wrong, that was wrong, that was wrong. Finally, Abraham's like, okay, I'm not gonna do nothing, I'm just gonna believe you because the rest of this stuff doesn't work. You know, if he'd have just listened to God, would he, would he, Isaac and Ishmael be at war? No. Against hope, he believed in hope. So being not weak in the faith, he considered not his own body dead. Neither Sarah's deadness of her womb; he staggered out the promise of God's unbelief and was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Are we fully persuaded that what he's promised, he's faithful to perform? Or does somehow or another, you still have a little bit of unbelief, a little bit of doubt, so you're out there kind of, you're kind of having your own little Sarah relationship, your little Hagar relationships with, instead of the Sarah ones. You're trying to make things happen. He sacred not the promise, strong in the faith, giving glory to God, fully persuaded. Now it was not written for his sake alone, but it was was imputed to him, but for us also. This story was written to help us understand how this plans out in our life too. So it was written as an example for us. Question is, are we seeing it as an example or is it just just a nice story? but for us also to whom shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered from, for our offenses and was raised again for our justification, if we believe, then that ought to be it. Terms 8, Romans 8, eight twenty eight. We know that all things work together for the good, to them that love God, to them who are called according to his, his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he all did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many nations, many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, those he called, whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them also he glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God before us, then who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not then also freely give us all things? So who? Who? Shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. It's God that justifies. He. It is he who, that condemns. It's Christ that died, yes, rather, is risen again. Who's even at the right hand of God also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And shall tri- tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril of sword? Is there something you're going to allow to separate you? Something going to, some situation you're going to allow to get you contrary to God? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Knowing all these things, all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him. Through him, though, that loved us. Once again, I am persuaded that neither let death nor life angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, nor height, depth, any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So through Christ Jesus, our Lord, nothing can separate that. Do you believe that? Are you fully persuaded of that? That in such a way you're gonna live your life in order of that topic? Chapter nine, verse 14. What should we say then? Is there unrighteous with, with God? God forbid. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy in whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion in whom I have compassion. So then, it is not a him that wills, not a him that runs, but it's God that's going to show mercy. So there's nothing you can do to get that mercy. Just because you're willing, that's what I'm willing his mercy into my life. I'm running this race to do all these things to get the mercy into my life. He goes, none of that works. It's mercy given to you because he's decided to give you mercy. If he's called you out separate and he's chosen you and you're his elect and you do something stupid, he he might possibly give you the mercy for his sake, right? So then, it is not of him that wills or him that runs, but of God that shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, even for the same purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that the name may be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore he said he has had mercy on whom he have mercy, and whom he will be whom he will he'll harden. You will say then unto me, Why does ye yet find fault? For who has resisted his will? No, O man, you or who are you that resist God? Shall the thing formed to, to him that formed it? Why did you make me this way? Has not the potter power over the clay the same lump to make one vessel to honor another one to dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power fully known, endured much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had beforehand prepared to glory, even us whom he has called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he says, also it will say, I will not, I will call them my people, which are not my people, and her beloved which are not my beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people, there shall they shall be called the children of the living God. Amen. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant only shall be saved he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth and Isaiah said before except the Lord of the Sabbath had left us a seed we would have been as Sodom and would have made like unto Gomorrah so we have to remember the promises saying that he's going to give us mercy and he's going to give us mercy he's causing us to be triumphant but am I convinced of that Am I still running the streets, doing whatever I want to do, You know, preaching this stuff, saying this stuff, but it, can I honestly say I believe it? And if you honestly believe it, would you be running amok? No. If you knew he was giving you mercy, would you continue to sin so that his mercy would have to abound? No. If you knew that he was going to give you mercy, would you sin so the grace, would have to make a way where there's a no way of bound. We wouldn't do any of those things. We would start living like we're being somewhat protected by Him for His future glory. And we'd live right, wouldn't we? Yes, yes. But the question is are we convinced of that? Is that how we're living? If not, why not yet? Right? Chapter 15, verse 14. And I myself also persuaded of you, my brethren, that you are full of goodness, filled with all, all knowledge, able to admonish one another. I'm believing that you, most of you are ready to go. You, you're, you're persuaded of this Jesus thing and you're, and you're deciding that's what you want in your life and so you're making decisions about being called the sons of God. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you, sort of, you having some sort of putting you into mind because of the grace that's been given to me of God. He said, Even though I believe this, I'm still writing you, I'm going to be more bold than I've ever been before. Why? Because I don't want you to walk around thinking, I got this. I want you to remember about that going, He's got this, and I got to make sure I'm in right standing with Him, right? Yes. That I should be the minister of Jesus to the Gentiles, the world, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the world might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So I have therefore, where have I made glory through Christ in these things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not wrought in me. In other words, he hasn't done it in me. Why would I talk about this thing that he's done if he hasn't done it in me? To make the world obedient. I go out there and try to talk about these things. And I can't honestly say I've experienced them, so what would make the world want to listen to me? No, I'm only going to talk about stuff that I can show them, tell them, prove to them, right? To make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about into Lychoram, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yes, I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest someone would build upon another man's foundation. But as it's written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see. And they that have not heard, they shall understand. Our days come, coming. We're going to be able to do these things and lots of people. You know, that's one thing that was talking about at Glenn and talking about Scripture is there's a whole bunch of folks coming. They're not sure what they're coming for yet. They just know that they, they've, they've been this inkling inside of them to get up and go and to come. And they're going to start coming. And as they start coming, they're going to start realizing what they're coming to. And then God's going to allow people like us to stand before them and minister them to them to help give them the reason that they came for in the first place. And now they're going to have traveled from some place afar, wherever it is, and, and know that there's a reason. And then when they get here and find out the reason, you think they won't embrace that? If this is the reason God said, if they, were, they were willing to, to get up, pack up, and move because God said so. I guess finding out why God said so would just motivate that even further, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. Let me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. It is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them to us By spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes. The spirit searches the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man. Save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knows no man. But the spirit of God. Now we. Have received not the spirit of the world. But we have received the spirit which is of God. So. Now we might know. What? The things that are freely given to us of God. So we can be convinced. Right? Which things also we speak, not in words which man's going to teach and understand, but that which the Holy Ghost is going to teach so we might understand. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual things only. But the natural man receives not. The things of the Spirit of God, for there are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord? And somehow we may instruct him. Nobody. But we have the mind of Christ. So we don't try to have to say, I know what he's thinking. We already have the mind, so we're thinking it ourselves. You ever have a thought? Go well, that's God's thought. I just thought one of God's thoughts. No, you thought one of yours, didn't you? Yeah, just happened to line up with God. Second Corinthians, Chapter Two, Verse Fourteen. Now thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make obvious the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. He makes obvious who he is and what he's all about by us. So we're being used by him as he sees fit. And he makes his word and will known by us. He didn't give us a to-do list. He said, you just being lying And I'm going to take you out. We're going to go for a walk. And lives are going to get touched by what I've done for you. And you're not going to typically have done anything or said anything. So you can take the glory. None. But they will come to know what it's all about because of who you are. For we are a sweet smelling savor to God and of Christ. In them that are saved. And then also those that perish. They don't quite get it. Why we stink pretty. right? What's going on? To so the one were the saver of death and of death. The other were the savor of life and of life. Which one of us is efficient to do this on our own? None of us. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. But as of sincerity, we are going to sincerely live this life. But of God, the sight of God, speaking we in Christ. We're going to do what God's asked us to do in Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, yet not despairing. Persecuted, not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. We die so life can get manifest to give hope to others. Because when others see us dying to our flesh then they know what they've got to do and they don't feel alone. Like, you want me to die to the flesh? What's in it for me then? They watch us die to our flesh and then they watch us live unto Christ. They go, oh, there's a reason in this dying stuff. And that's what it looks like. Yes. If we're dying and living, they get to know, don't they? So then death works in us but life works in them. We have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, therefore I've spoken. So now so also I believe and therefore I speak. I'm convinced from believing. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and present us with you. For all things are for your sake, the the abundant of grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For this cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For the slight affliction, which we have but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but which are the things that are not seen, For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal for us. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest or obvious unto God, and I trust also are made obvious unto your consciences. So I, I want my life to be a shining light and example to others of what he says here, the Manifest, I want the, the life of God to be manifest in my, in other people's conscience about who I am, that this is in fact the real deal. I don't want us talking about a real deal that we're not living. I don't want us walking something we're calling the real deal that's not the real deal. For we command not ourselves again unto you give you occasion to the glory on our behalf that you may have someone to answer them which glory in appearance not hard heart we can call them out out of a mess because they're not believing like they ought to believe walking as they ought to walk So we realize that whether we be beside ourselves, it's to God, or whether we be sober, it's to your cause. For the love of Christ constrains us. Is that this morning's message? Because we thus judge if one died for all, that all are dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not. From now on, henceforth live in themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, from now on, know you no man after the flesh. Yes. Though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now, from now on, we know him not after the flesh anymore. So we have to start trusting him in the spirit, right? Yes. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Verse 15. Wherefore also, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto you, all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God, the Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding might be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what is the riches of His glory and His inheritance of the saints. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in heavenly places. Far above principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So he's done these things for us. Are we going to be living this life according to what he's done for us? If you're persuaded, you already are. If somehow or another you need to be convinced, here's where the the convincing comes in. He did this for us in the body, and it's obvious when you walk around that you're different and you don't do things like you used to do in your natural life. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Verse 9. For this cause, we also, since they we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I, I I'm getting that you're getting it. Now I want to make sure you're full. I want to make sure you have all the spiritual understanding, all of the wisdom, all of the knowledge. I need you to have all the resources of all the tools so that you know how to walk this out. That you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, and to patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father, which has made us meet or ready, the partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has made us ready. Are we going to acknowledge the readiness? Who has delivered us from the power of darkness? and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom now we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of his sins. Are we convinced that he was capable of doing that for us? Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 3. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers in pure conscience that without ceasing I remembrance of you in my prayers day and night. Greatly desire to see you because I'm being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that's in you also. Therefore, I put thee in remembrance that you would stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Verse 18. I'm sorry, verse eight. Be you not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be you a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Let the power of God go before you, but be a partaker, a partner in the afflictions and the persecutions, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to your works or our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But it's now made obvious by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. whereto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For which cause I also suffer things, these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So hold fast the form of sound words which you have heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. And that good thing which was committed unto you, keep it by the Holy Ghost, which dwells in you. 2 Timothy 2, 14. And of these things, I need to put you in remembrance, charging all of you before the Lord that you strive not about words to no profit, but ultimately to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a true workman, that needs not to be ashamed but it's able to rightly divide the word of truth to find these messages of encouragement. But I want you to shun all of profane and vain babblings, for they're going to increase more and more to ungodliness. And the word will eat as does a canker to of whom am and Philetus, who concerning the truth of error, saying that the resurrection has passed already and overthrew the faith of some. But nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. The Lord knows them that are his. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from those iniquities. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. But if a man will purge himself, therefore, of these things, He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and once again, ready or prepared for the master's use and every good work. So we can actually be used by God as we see fit. Chapter 3, verse 10. But you have fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. You've known about my persecutions and afflictions which came to me persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. And yes, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus is going to suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But I want you to continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned these things. That from a child, you had known the Holy Scriptures, which are ma- able to make ye wise to salvation through the faith in Christ Jesus. That can hopefully convince us that this is who He is, right? Yes. All Scripture is given by inspiration of, of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished to all good works. Turn with me to Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be not brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish and disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after the kindness and the love of God, our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he had shed upon us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life, See, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that you would continuously affirm them, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto all men. Convince yourself of these things and make sure you're staying in these things of life. Avoid foolish questions, genealogies, contentions, strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. They will not work for you. It was me to 2 Peter. Chapter 1, verse 3. According to his divine power, has given to us all things that pertain to life of godliness. Do we know that? Do we live this life and realize that we are blessed beyond anything we've ever done for ourselves, Our lives in such a way today that if I were, if I didn't have Jesus and I wasn't maybe part of this ministry home wasn't part of what God's doing, that I'd be out on my own and no way in here I could make it. But this wouldn't work anywhere else. My life would have to diminish quite a bit. According to divine power, it's given to all, all, all things pertaining to the life of God and it's therefore through the knowledge of him has called us to glory and to virtue, whereby are given to us succeeding in great and precious promises, that by these promises we might become partakers of the divine nature. We could actually become that and be con- convinced that we're becoming part of this divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Beside these things, give all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and a brotherly kindness, charity. And if these things be in you, and they begin to grow and abound, they make you, that you shall neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus. They will help convince you, because you'll see the work being done. But he that lacks these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and your election sure. For if we do these things, you shall never fall. For an influence shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll have this ministered to us and we'll be in all the way. So wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you may know them, And be established in the present truth. Maybe you might do that, but I'm gonna remind you anyway. Yes, I think it's necessary or meet or right, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, that I should stir you up by putting in remembrance of all these things. First John chapter three. Verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and truth. And hereby we know that we're of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. We will not only know we're of this, can be convinced of it, we're gonna assure our hearts. We're gonna give him our hearts back. We're gonna ash- let him understand that, that we're, we're so sure we're giving him a heart to do the work that needs to be done. We're gonna ask him to abide in it while we abide in his, right? You see, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, though we now have confidence towards God because we're convinced. And whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is the commandment that we should believe in the name of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keeps this commandment dwells in him. And he also dwells in you. And hereby we know that he abides in us. We're confident, we're convinced because of the spirit which he's given us. It's not a fluke. Chapter five, last but not least.